0: Hey, folks, this is Aaron here. A couple of things to let you know about this upcoming episode with guest Zeke Perez. The first is, due to some technical and scheduling issues, it had to be recorded over three sessions, so you might hear like just a little bit of variation in volume and the sound of the input audio. It sounded fine when I listened to it, just something to look out for. Also, in our top five list at the end of the episode, I neglected to mention until later into it, that the top five is our top five farmland frights that's the topic for the list so if you're confused in the beginning what we're talking about it is not scarecrow movies it is just farmland frights and then finally like last week this show is brought to you in part by metallic dice games so if any of you have any need for dice or dice accessories go ahead and check them out at metallicdicegames.com they're a family-run business to cater to all your dice needs And if you visit their store, you can get 10% off your order by entering the code 2HEADS. That's 2HEADS spelled out. T-W-O-H-E-A-D-S. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Aaron Lowe. And if you're wondering what this whole thing is about, well, every week I awake to find my head surgically grafted onto the body of another cinephile. Together, we're given a note containing an often cryptic theme, and we have to each pick a movie that fits that theme and then talk about it. Who is doing this to me and why? I don't know. It's just a silly intro to the show. This isn't a documentary. This is the Incredible Two Headed Podcast. Joining me for today's show is none other than my pal, Zeke Perez. Zeke, how's it going?
1: It's going good
0: right now. Uh
1: You know, just the end of a long day and I find that this has happened to me, so I'm here.
0: Yeah, Uh getting into the Halloween season, I keep wondering how seriously to take the little premise that I, I mentioned mm-hmm. in the beginning of the show when I'm going to... I going to talk about the fact, like clearly, people can hear this. We're talking on Zoom. Zeke, you're up in North California. I'm down here in SoCal. It was starting to feel a little bit like fall for us, like it dipped down into the 70s, but now today it was back up to 100. And we're going to have a few days. I guess that's like kind of a what we can expect this season is we're going to be jumping up near into the 90s and then going down to the 70s for a few days and then up to the 90s. So we don't have seasons anymore. We just have one long summer. But oh tell has- me about it. How has yeah. autumn been for you? I know you, you're closer to all those fires.
1: Yeah, you know, fires are literally just down the road from us. Uh, we, have, um, we were hoping to get rains this weekend, and instead we had beautiful weather. And now it's looking like fire warnings again. So um, yeah, it's going it's to hopefully end up pretty soon. I always expect to see rain
0: around Halloween up here, but
1: I don't know about this year. Fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, I I hear it's supposed to be kind of a dry winter for us down here. I keep getting notifications, and I look at the weather up in uh, Anchorage, where I'm from, Alaska. And this week, they're they're expecting a cold snap that's supposed to bring them down below zero. And that's (laughs) crazy early in the year for that. Um, It's been been very warm through October lately, too. So this is like, I mean, climate change is real, everybody. (laughs) Very real. Yeah.
1: Oh, I was about to say, how cold does it usually get in Anchorage around this time?
0: Oh, around this time, you know, I haven't been there for a few years. I remember it, I remember as a kid going out and there, you know, I'd have to dress warmly under a costume in Alaska. You have to do that thing where you have to either cover your costume up or get a big enough that you can put it over your coat for Halloween. I'm talking about, Uh, I don't remember much snow on the ground for Halloween. So in October, it's starting to get pretty cold, but dipping below zero is, is not expected. I would say like in the twenties it would be kind of an average.
1: Oh, that's actually still really cold
0: considering we're up here like around like in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm so bad at remembering all this stuff too. I'm kind of a bad Alaskan, so I, I may be completely wrong. <laughs> I, I know people in Alaskan aren't going to listen to this and they're going to be like, oh my gosh, you've been out of there too long. You've forgotten what it's like. And yeah, I've not quite acclimated to California, but I don't think I could handle that Anchorage cold anymore. And Anchorage is pretty temperate for Alaska. It it doesn't get as as rough as some places north do.
1: Yeah, I hear that. It's actually not so bad most of the year, so.
0: So we have today's note and the theme is scarecrows. Ooh, scarecrows. Yeah, movies that have something to do with scarecrows. Now we've each picked our respective film. So what do you say we get talking about them? Let's get talking about it. I am going to go first with my pick this week, and for this theme, I picked The Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, or I suppose just Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. It was a TV movie, really, or aired on CBS in October 24th, 1981, and it tells the story of Bubba, a mentally challenged man in an unnamed southern town who was killed while hiding as a scarecrow by an angry mob in retaliation for the apparent murder of a little girl he was friends with but the mob finds out too late that the little girl mary lee is alive and that bubba had actually saved her from a dog attack due to some questionable southern justice the four men laid by small town despot otis p Hazelrig, played by the great charles derning are let off with no repercussions due to a lack of evidence though all four men admit to the killing and the entire town knows they did it the only people who seem upset about the murder are Bubba's mother and the little girl. It isn't long before Otis and his gang start dying off. The reasons can always be logically explained, but of course they suspect foul play. Could Bubba be back from the grave? Is Bubba's mother enacting the other forms of justice she warned the men about in the courtroom? Is Mary Lee, who's prone to walking around at night and acting suspicious, getting her own revenge for the death of her best friend? Or is it actually the scarecrow that appears to each man sometime before their death? There might be a clue hidden in the title. So Zeke, normally I would ask when you first saw this movie, but I think you and I saw this pretty much the same time, right? We saw it the exact same time. Yeah. So it was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. We watched this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, a little peek behind the curtain. This We wanted to pick a theme. We were having a little bit of trouble. We went with this because uh, there's a group down here in LA, Cinematic Void, that does some virtual screenings now that uh, theaters have been shut down for a few months. And the mystery movie they aired a couple weeks ago was dark Knight of the scarecrow and we decided like hey let's just pick this movie we know we've both seen it we can pick one other movie and so we went off with that so kind of a little cheat here in the beginning but whatever but yeah we watched it that was a uh, it was first time for me seeing it first time for you And I'm going to say, I really was impressed. I really dug this movie.
1: Yeah. You know, it started off, you know, I wasn't really expecting much, you know, it does come off as like a TV production movie, but when it really starts to
0: get going, it really does well. First thing I noticed when I saw this was how good it looked. Cause we're, I mean, we're streaming it online. A lot of these older movies that get played, they're not the best quality prints out there, but this looks so clean. And, um, it's a really good looking film it's a really good quality copy i should say if you want to watch this movie there is a dvd blu-ray release but it is also currently available on tubi for free with ads unfortunately those ads do not line up with the commercial breaks inside the film Uh, and then you can rent it on itunes and a couple of other premium services but you know free on tubi Uh, for a tv movie Like I keep saying, it looks pretty good. It was actually filmed on 35 millimeter and it shows because they they did a restoration a couple of years back for the 30th anniversary, which is why all the quality or the copies out there right now look so good. I don't know how you feel, but I actually have a real soft spot for these TV movies of the 70s and 80s. Yeah. I was kind of prone to like this movie or primed to like this movie right from the get-go. And I think it sets up a really good, a really good tone. There's like a kind of a really good atmosphere to this movie uh, throughout.
1: Yeah, you know, it's, You know, I got to say, I felt that nostalgia as well, too, where it felt like, you know, you were home on a Friday night, you turned on the TV. It's something that's a little spooky, riding that edge, you know, and it gets there a couple of times, but it never really becomes over the top. But it does its chills in different ways. You know, it doesn't have to be gory. It doesn't have to be flashy. It's just very, it builds. And even with the little breaks for commercials, the the story has a cadence it has it goes and it pauses it goes and pauses it knows what it's doing and it does it really well
0: yeah and actually i think the tv format adds to that you you talked about the breaks still give it a cadence i do think that there's something about tv movies when they're made by people who know what they're doing that can really take advantage of that dramatic break every i don't know every few minutes It doesn't, it it may not leave it on a cliffhanger, but it it adds a little period. It does feel kind of like the end of a paragraph or the end of a chapter where it can help the structure and the flow of it, especially if you're watching it now on video where you don't actually have to sit and watch two and a half minutes of commercials. You can just, it goes to black and it comes back up. It does feel like a defining break with which you can kind of like say, okay, now we're moving on to something else and maybe digest what's going on. But I, I do like I, I do like the TV movies, partly because when I was a kid, I mean, I was only three years old when this aired, so I wouldn't have seen it. I wouldn't have been able to see it until much later. <laughs> they, they re-aired it in 1985, but I still probably wouldn't have watched it. With TV movies, they don't really do them anymore. But as somebody who didn't have cable and as a kid who was a little bit too scared to watch real horror movies... TV movies would frequently like delve into horror, particularly around Halloween. And I love that stuff. I just did, I wasn't brave enough for the real R-rated hardcore stuff, but TV movies, I knew they they were safe. I kind of knew as even as a kid, the limits of what they could show that it wasn't going to be too much for me. And so I could watch them and get, you know, get spooked without actually being disturbed or scared. And yeah. I, think, I mean, we we should probably start talking about what's going on in the movie, but I think this movie is a really, really great example of that of being very spooky. It deals with some dark stuff in this movie. You know it what it reminded gets... me of? It reminded what? me of the old show Amazing Stories. Yeah, yeah. I can yeah. see that.
1: where it was just a nice little episodic. it had it had starts. it had breaks. It had a full story. But I could see like a shorter version of this movie showing up as one of those stories
0: yeah definitely this could actually be this actually be I, i'm gonna say this a lot in upcoming episodes i know because it's such a reference point for me <laughs> but i could see this being kind of an ec comics or an yeah, old, Oh my gosh yes and a tales from the crypt or um like you said amazing stories just a really short in comic book format like 16 pages or maybe less maybe a little bit more just like get right to it it would be a lot more gory than what we get in this but um, this movie, because this movie is very much an atmospheric horror mystery. It's spooky, but there's more mystery to it than it is, you know, the bloody revenge of a scarecrow, which you would probably get in an EC comics. And that's that would be great. I now that I'm thinking about it, I would love that version. Yeah, but I'm pretty happy with what we got here. Yeah, I can see like the cover for Joni Craig with like a
1: scarecrow and all that stuff. I mean, it's you just said it and it just popped right into my mind. I think that's exactly what it could be like
0: yeah and you know yeah i'm pretty sure there's probably a scarecrow tales from the crypt or like eerie comics or something like that out there the scarecrow there's only been a handful of movies that i can think of and not very many good ones but scarecrows just look so creepy you have to do very little with them they're so atmospheric and they evoke such a, a feeling of like you think of those wide open those wide open fields kind of loneliness and they're just spooky because they have that uncanny valley thing where they're like, they're supposed to look like people, but they're so unformed. They're so half formed. I'm not sure why horror movies haven't used scarecrows more often.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's I, I have to agree with you as well too. You know, the two films that we saw for this, I left thinking, wow, we could, you could do so much more with like the scarecrows just as is, you know, I mean, even like a scarecrow in like a haunted house, you know, how frightening is that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, um, we watched uh, for one of the other episodes uh, that are going to be coming out. I'm recording a bunch in advance, so I'm not sure what order they're actually going to release. But one of the other episodes that's either just aired or will air probably next week, we talk about Cabin in the Woods. And there's just a brief glimpse of Scarecrows. But uh, (laughs) I kind of wish, you know, that movie... would have utilized scarecrows scarecrows. yeah
1: you know at least just have something pop up you know it's like you know i think i know the scene you're referring to in cabin in the woods where you see all the different creatures and you know for a moment like this could be so many more different things and it's almost like a kid in a haunted candy store where you could pick and choose like what creatures and the scarecrows underutilized
0: yeah, I think um, I say it in the episode, but I think my my biggest complaint about that movie is that I'm kind of disappointed in the end that it was the zombie redneck torture family when there's all those so many cool monsters, so many cool threats that they could have used instead. Like, yeah, scarecrows. They could have, wouldn't have to change anything. It could have just been scarecrows, and it would have been much more visually interesting. It just would have looked so cool. Let's talk about Charles Durning in this. Uh, what did you think of him? He plays. Otis. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he, plays otis p Hazelrig, which is a great name and he's the only postman in this small town he's not yeah, just anyway what do you think of him he's, he's postman vigilante justice
1: he's a rehabilitated alcoholic i mean this guy is just all over the place you know he, he i want to say he wears so many different hats but in the movie he really only just wears a single hat yeah which is big like a firefighter hat like the red uh What's oh, says pith house? Pith yeah, helmets. it's
0: a pith helmet. Yeah, it's just Whoa. so strange. It's only his, uh, it's his postman outfit. That's the only thing he wears the entire movie is his uh, postal service uniform. Yeah, but he's always doing, I mean, it's not just the post office. You know, I expect this guy to be like the local chef
1: over at the school or the janitor over here. It's just, he's always got his fingers into everything. And I think that's kind of why he's the mailman. He, since he sees and interacts with so many people, He has his fingers in everything.
0: Yeah, he really struck me as kind of a Stephen King villain. Although at the time this was written, this was you know written and filmed, the Stephen King villain wasn't quite a trope. But he he strikes me as um, like Big Jim from the book Under the Dome, or a bunch of the people that follow Randall Flagg in The Stand, where he's just this small town guy he's got a little bit of power and it's all gone completely to his head and he's got these almost unstated delusions of grandeur that but once he sees a chance to you know act on them it, he seizes it like i called him a small time despot because he he really controls that really gang is. of his he's got yeah. like three friends and then you mm-hmm. see a brief glimpse of the room he's got in this boarding house and it's immaculately clean there's almost no personality to it there's a gun cabinet, there are, there are some like knives up on the wall, a bunch of books on military history, generals and dictators, and there's a bust of Napoleon and a bunch of like ammo just on his like lined up like decorations yeah. on his desk. You say he's a reformed alcoholic and he's always sneaking drinks like nobody notices. Yeah. Uh, there's a later scene where he goes to a Halloween party and he's going to get some punch and the woman's like, oh, that's right. You don't drink and gives him the non-alcoholic punch, but she gives him this look where it's like, uh, I think everybody knows he's still drinking, even though he's trying to hide it.
1: Yeah, he's not a very good... He he has lofty goals. He has lofty expectations. And um, he thinks of himself as a big fish in a small pond, when actually he's just a really, really tiny fish in a really big pond.
0: Yeah, he um, once... So everything that happens, because uh, Bubba takes Marilee back to her family, and Marilee's just covered in blood, and he runs away because he's scared, and people just think that Bubba did it. And the word goes out, the sheriff is looking for volunteers. And I'm not sure why the sheriff is asking for volunteers to meet him when it doesn't ever seem like Bubba's a threat to anybody. I don't understand why the sheriff just couldn't go arrest him. But anyway, he's asking for volunteers. And instead of going to volunteer, Otis gets his buddies together and they basically go hunting Bubba down and that's where they find him. He goes and he confronts Bubba's mother, Mrs. Ritter, and says, like, this is official business. I'm here for him. And she calls him. She's like, the only official thing you've ever done is lick stamps. Yeah. He, he's a postman, and he does seem to think that that station allows him to enforce the laws anywhere as he sees fit. Yeah, he's he's he,
1: he's just taken his idea of, like, a government job, and it's like, well, I, now I do all the government
0: jobs, you know? Maybe it's not this extreme but it is a type of person that i think everybody is a little bit familiar with everybody knows that person in in school who couldn't wait to be hall monitor couldn't wait to you know say tell the teacher that there was a test that day just the person who gets a little bit of power and thinks that they're or maybe you had a boss like that just thinks that they're you know bigger than they are because they have a little bit of authority. He's definitely that type. He's definitely that guy. Charles Durning apparently did not want to play this role. I couldn't find any confirmation on this. So take it with a grain of salt. Dr. Martin was going to play that role, but he passed away. And uh, Charles Durning didn't want to take it because he was afraid or not afraid, but he just didn't want to play a character who had no redeeming value at all. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, this guy is he's trash. it It is you know as a viewer as a i can see as a writer as an actor you want to always want to imbue some humanity or something to latch onto like characters don't need to be likable but they they should be interesting and they should be recognizably human charles derning is one of the most despicable characters i think i've seen in a long time without being outright villainous like he's not i mean he eventually becomes outright villainous but he's He's not the recognizable villain you would expect. He's just... Well, he builds into the position, you know, with all my arguments about
1: him as as the character in the movie. He does have good intentions where he's like, they aren't 100% good. He just glorifies it in his head. It's like, you know, like you said, it's like the hall monitor who gets a little bit of power. He needs to take a step back from
0: being so judgmental, but he thinks he's doing right. He thinks he's doing right. And that is recognizable. That is That is a very necessary component of any good villain. The villain needs to think he is doing the right thing, but I still don't think he's doing anything for the right reason because I watched this movie three times after <laughs> we watched it. I, I watched it once. Cause we're like, Oh, I'm I'm going to watch it a second time. Uh, just cause I know we're going to talk about it on the show, take notes this time. And then I liked it a lot. And I was like, I'm going to watch it again and just see if there's anything else. We have a group chat thing going on where we're watching these movies. So sometimes little, nuances slip past me so that's another reason i wanted to watch the movie again i did not catch the first viewing that it is heavily implied that otis is a budding child molester oh yeah because we're introduced to him the very beginning of the movie is bubba and mary lee playing in a field and they're making like daisy necklaces and he is watching them from the trees with binoculars and he is getting angrier and angrier. And I remember watching it the first time, thinking like, "Oh, that's weird that he's just watching them. Like, why does he care so much?" And he's he's being creepy with the binoculars. But later, he goes to confront he goes to confront Mrs. Ritter, Bubba's mom, because he's pretty sure she's she killed his friend. Oh, gets. So all that uh, once his friends start dying, he's pretty sure it's Mrs. Ritter. So he goes to confront her and Mrs. Ritter suggests this by saying, I've seen you way the way you look at that little girl. And then he like gets really scared and starts to walk away. And he she's yelling at him. This is a small town. People will talk. Don't you touch her.
1: Yeah, I didn't catch that at all. You know, I, I thought at first when he was looking through binoculars, he was just, you know, angry old man who just looks at everybody. You know, yeah, kind it, of like crime watchers. Just yeah, awesome. it doesn't
0: seem like that. Because he's actually, you see a point where he's delivering mail and he like flips through a magazine. Uh, well, it's a boudoir magazine, but you can you can imagine him just like, I'm going to look and see what people are writing in these postcards and um, I'm going to open what I can. And like, he does seem like he wants to know what's going on with everybody. I completely missed it the first time. And then the second time I was like, I was starting to notice it. And then when she said that, I was like, oh man, he is, I think it's the next scene he goes to the Halloween party to confront Mary Lee. Yeah, Halloween,
1: and... isn't that at the high school as well too?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's at, the, it's at the school, but he goes there cause he's trying to get her to admit that Mrs. Ritter is the one that's killing his friends. The suggestion that he is attracted to Mary Lee, which is why he's doing all this, really makes that scene a lot more tense than the first time I watched it. Even the first time I watched it, I was like, he's being creepy. But watching it this time i was like man this is this is really skeevy and merrily runs off and he chases after and runs around the corner and there's a a police officer there who's like monitoring the halls during the party and he just kind of says like the party's up front you can see on the look on his face like he's not surprised that otis is doing this that maybe he expected otis to do something like this and so he went looking for him it's there i think it's very clear that he's doing this because he's jealous of Bubba yeah wow well,
1: you know just with saying that it's you know this is one of those movies that when I watched for the first time a couple of days ago or a couple of weeks ago with you I really really like this movie it's and it's one which I find myself I know I'll be coming back to quite a bit you know right around the Halloween time you know it's just that right amount of spooky that you could watch so
0: well it is it it's set in kind of you know, farm country, small town. It has the this really great autumnal look. It doesn't say what time of year it is. It could be whatever, it, but it it just has a very wind swept look. Uh, things are like kind of browns and yellows. Oh well, no, it's Halloween. What am I talking about? They're at a Halloween party. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm an idiot. But um, it is spooky, right? Like that's a, that's the word I keep going back to. Yeah, yeah. It's not terrifying. You're not going to get many jump
1: scares but it's definitely unsettling
0: and it has a really great look to it the lighting i'll find some images and i'll you know post them on twitter or whatever but there are some really well-lit scenes the cinematography is great the sound design this time around, like the, the last time I watched the sound design, cause it's mono started to bug me a bit in my headphones, but on the TV, it didn't bother me at all. But in my headphones, I was just hearing sound effects more than I was hearing music for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sound otherwise is great. You know, it's like I said, it's got that wind swept look. Uh, the very first time that you see the scarecrow because when they kill Bubba, you know, he's, he's hiding from them. His mom says, go play the hiding game. And he goes and he hides in a scarecrow in the field. Yeah, so here's something he this isn't the first time he's hidden the scarecrow no no they say they say that they actually say in the dialogue that they lost him the last time out there by the scarecrow too and I. I, that none of them would just like look at the scarecrow kind of amused me yeah it's you know it's like it's like kind of the common thing it sounds like
1: he does it's like go hide in the scarecrow and he hides in the scarecrow which thinking about it how do you hide in the scarecrow you know yeah going to take a lot of work as well as getting yourself up on the the, he's up on the like a like he was hanging as well too this is a very intricate disguise
0: well there's a couple of logistical things that that kind of don't make sense to me right after otis and his gang kill bubba and they go to commercial break their next scene is a courtroom scene where the the judge is like you have given me no evidence no witnesses that things happened the way other than the way otis says it did which I'm like, well, the fact that Bubba is dead with multiple gunshot wounds should have been proof enough. Like, yeah. I, I kind of don't understand this, you know, Southern justice thing. But, well, um, not just Southern justice. They also said it was self-defense too, right? Yeah, because after they realize that they killed him and he did, the girl is alive, they're all looking very shook. Otis grabs a pitchfork and places it in Bubba's hand as if Bubba had been threatening them with the pitchfork. But... Bubba is still standing up, which means he's still attached to the post that the Scarecrow was attached to. So he couldn't have been attacking them. Couldn't even move. Yeah. And you think that maybe the cops would have noticed that when they came by? Uh, It is a suspension of disbelief. I think every every movie gets one big thing you have to be be able to overlook. And this is a pretty big one, but I think the rest of the movie makes up for it. the the, the whole part we too because it feels like it's also literally
1: later in the day after they kill you know like this has all happened in the period of three hours
0: yeah the the first time i was viewing it i was kind of confused as to the time frame because the next time we see mary lee mary lee she's at home and her parents are like i don't know what to tell her she woke up and the first thing she acted asked is what happened to bubba yeah and i thought like well wait does that mean that this is the same day because we know she got released from the clinic while they were killing Bubba. So she wasn't like hospitalized or anything. So I I couldn't tell if it was the same day, but there's a line of dialogue the mom says where she talks about how rough the last few weeks have been. So she must've been like at home convalescing for a few weeks. (laughs) Yeah, you know, like resting up, you know, I mean, it it does look like she was attacked severely. Yeah, well she is covered in in blood a little bit. So about Mara Lee in this movie, she's it's such an odd little I mean she's a precocious kid, that's her character, but she acts in this movie almost like the witch in a hammer horror film Mm -hmm. where we see her a lot and she's out walking in like the wind is blowing and it's these night scenes, she's walking through like fields or through the house and the wind is blowing and she's got her nightgown on. And it's just like, there's a scene at the end, especially where um, Otis is driving at night and he's, you know, he's the last one living at this point and he's drinking and he comes around a corner and she's standing in the middle of the road and it just, like, it seems like it's straight out of a gothic horror movie, like a Hammer film.
1: Yeah, um, or even, like, the Beyond, like, the scene where they're crossing the bridge and that woman is standing there in the middle of the bridge.
0: That's a good call. I mean, I love every time the Beyond is brought up, so I'll allow it. Woo! Yeah, but, you know, one thing which I really enjoyed about this, too,
1: is Charles during Scare. Like when he gets shocked and he slowly becomes unhinged throughout the film, like with his tousled hair and just wild look.
0: Yeah, his hair gets like, Like, his hair gets more and more, like it just like more and more mad scientists. Like it's just been pulled out a bit the longer the movie goes on. Yeah, it's, it's he, he's just, you could see him becoming unhinged as this continues
1: on. And, you know, even... You, you mentioned earlier, there is a little bit of a question as to who did this, what did this. And I even started to think that what if this is happening in his own head as well, too? Of course, it doesn't in the end come out to that. But, you know, you can see him slowly going crazy.
0: Well, I actually thought that as well, maybe not that he was actively killing everybody, but I started to think maybe he was just accidentally killing people and blacking out. because I guess he was a drinking that problem. Yeah, because he's drinking so much, but also he goes at one point so the order of events his friend Harless is the first one to die he dies in uh what i like to call chekhov's wood chipper we see it in the beginning of the movie and then it is turned on and he accidentally falls into it like all of the deaths we don't actually see who's committing them at times it seems like it might some of them might even be accidental but then otis goes to confront mrs ritter again late at night after like the the scarecrow is seen by somebody else he he's convinced she's doing it. He goes and he breaks in and he scares her in the middle of the night. And she has a heart attack while he's saying like, I'm not going to hurt you. You just got to stop this. you killed one of ours. That's fine. Like, stop it. And she dies. And he gets like terrified and le- runs out before he runs. He just has this, uh, sudden thought he's like, Oh wait. And he goes and he, he turns off the gas or he turns out the pilot light so that the house will fill with gas and you know the it'll explode once it reaches the fireplace right at that moment i was like oh maybe he's actually doing this and doesn't remember it like you're you're saying or maybe it's an accident like he just like he startled his friend and then he was drinking so much afterwards he forgot he did it
1: yeah because it when he, the first initial wood chipper, you don't you really even see somebody it's like you you feel that something's there gets kind of spooked, grabs onto
0: the light, and it's like, whew, that was it. But then it, it could be somebody else. It could be him up there. Speaking of that wood chipper, this is TV, so there's not, there's no blood or guts. There are some bloody scenes, and I think it's actually a lot for what I expected from television, but it tends to just be like when Bubba is shot, you see blood on his shirt, that sort of stuff. The, the scene, right when Otis falls into the wood chipper, it cuts to this red liquid being slopped onto a plate as Otis is sitting down for breakfast. And it's such a great edit. <laughs> so much fun. That uh, little note there, by the way. I don't know if you noticed, I, I don't know if we mentioned it at the time, who the landlady at the boarding house was. Who was it? I didn't catch that. The landlady at the boarding house that Otis lived in, it cuts to the breakfast. She's slopping. Uh, we didn't know what it was. I watched it with my wife and daughter the second time. And we thought it was ketchup. <laughs> like, is it just as yeah, like red ketchup. liquid? And, it's like, and we were like, ketchup, but it's breakfast. So what, are, ketchup for their eggs? Okay, but who puts ketchup in a gravy bowl? It's and a
1: lot of ketchup, too. It's yeah. not.
0: It's actually preserves. Because there's a line that I didn't hear. And she goes, more preserves, Mr. Hazelrig. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That does make I'm sense sure. if they're having yeah. pancakes. But. That lady is Alice Nunn, who was Large Marge in Pee-wee's Big Adventure.
1: No way. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That, that blows my mind. I, 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 you know, I have to look at a picture. I, I'm going to go on the internet right now and look at a picture of her. But just, wow, I did not put two and two together for that.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, she's been in a lot of stuff. She's an actress. It's not surprising that she, you know, shows up, but it's always fun to see people that you know from some like, one, for basically one iconic role in something else. Yeah. And you know, that Pee Wee's,
1: where this is filmed, that Pee Wee's Big Adventure is filmed probably about like four or five years after that,
0: right? Uh, yeah, 1985. <laughs> so it would have been about four years. Cool. Well, it's nice to see her. I mean,
1: it's nice to see her in something other than Pee Wee's Big Adventure.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a really small role in this. I mean, she has a I think she has maybe two scenes and she's mostly just in the background of those, but yeah, she's there at this at the breakfast table. Um wow. So, we talked about that breakfast scene, there was also a moment where Otis finds out that Harless has died. He, everybody at the table is so cavalier about him. It's really hard to tell what the people in town think of Otis because when Otis and his friends get acquitted, basically the the case is thrown out by the judge. They're not even put on trial. When, When they get out, everybody that's there, so it seems like the whole town is in the courtroom, everybody starts cheering except for Bubba's mom Bubba's mom has a little like she has a little bit of a breakdown in court and is screaming at them that there's other justice in the world but everybody else in the town is applauding and laughing and smiling and shaking their hands but then at the breakfast the people at the boarding house are telling Otis that Harless has died but they they're so cavalier about it where they're just like I can't remember exactly how they say it but they're saying like oh yeah, there were some sirens and like, yep, Oh, old oh, oh, Harless died, I guess. And I don't know, it, there's a lot of it's moments- It's so
1: nonchalant
0: to bring up, especially since this whole trial
1: just happened yeah, fairly are, recently and, from it.
0: And they're, they're like, Harless died. Hey, wasn't he just here visiting you yesterday? There's nothing in the way the actors are delivering it that makes me think this, but I, I kind of feel like Otis is very unliked by most people in the town. They just kind of like put up with him or put on this false- Face of civility. Maybe it's that they like his friends better than they liked him, and that's who they were all cheering for. Well, what if it's even that cheering is in his head? You know, I mean, I can
1: even see that as well too. He's built up this idea and persona of who he is, which eventually crumbles near the end. You know, he sees himself as the hero. He sees himself, you know, going out with cheers, being held up by people, and you know, if you see him eventually break down to where he's at at the end, you know, he's just a shell of what he thought he was i mean it could also be that
0: yeah that's a that's an interesting reading i i'm inclined to think what we see is pretty much what's going on in this movie that doesn't seem like it's on this movie's mind yeah Uh, you could certainly read it that way and i think that's great because i i did think while watching this how great it would be if it was like a jim thompson novel where Mm -hmm. where it's like um he did he did killer inside me right Um, yeah i think so yeah where like Jim Thompson would write these characters who have these characters who are incredibly unreliable. Like we're reading the book through their point of view and things may be going great. Like they may be loved by everybody, but through the course of the book, you'll start to realize like they're unreliable. That's how they're, they're hoping people, but like, like say like a person who's killed somebody and thinks they fooled everybody. But in reality, what we're not reading is that everybody knows he's done it and is actually like looking upon the person with hatred, that type of thing. Like that's, kind of what i i was hoping otis his character arc would be in this movie but i mean i'm i'm completely happy with what we got because i think it's yeah especially for well, a television movie this is this is pretty it does sort of stuff. grow to that too you know i mean like as
1: it progresses you know you see like the cop at the dance you see you know the mother making an offhand comment you know it's you know they're i don't really think he's that well liked you know people know what he's up to
0: he isn't but it's just that one courtroom scene in the beginning and then when he he stops to deliver mail at a couple houses, and you see that like the housewives all seem kind of happy to see them, but maybe maybe that's also just you know they're pretending because it's a small town you've you've all got to pretend to like each other pretty much, or yeah definitely yeah. or somebody's going to end up dead,
1: <laughs> which four people do at them so
0: so the the order of events we've got um Harless is the first to die in the wood chipper, the second is Philby and he dies in a grain silo. I really thought cuz they keep they keep showing or they keep emphasizing those pigs on his property outside his office. I really thought he was going to be fed be to the pigs. By pigs? Movie. Yeah, I
1: thought that as well.
0: That that might be a little bit too shocking for a TV movie in 1981, but It really seemed like that's where it was going. Sorry. I liked the silo scene. It was really fun. I always think I would be able to survive that type of thing. I mean, I'm sure the corn is so loose, you'd probably sink. But that sort of thing where it's building up slowly, I feel like I could just kind of keep stepping up above it, keeping myself clear. I I would at least not stand right underneath the opening where the corn is falling yeah straight up at the falling corn grain your grain like he does in this film so down the road there is like a pumpkin
1: patch and every single year they do a big corn maze as well as they have the only way i can describe it is they have like it's like a sandbox full of corn but it's huge it's huge it's probably about like maybe 20 feet by 20 feet and you know it's at least a good two feet high just filled with corn and I always am shocked with how much it's, it's almost like a ball pit, you know, it's like you step in it and it's like, you really start to sink into it, you know? Oh man. So it's like I said, like it's, it's almost like the same consistency of a ball pit, but finer. So you really do, you know, it's like you'll lie down and all of a sudden, like you're half covered in like corn and then you have like corn in your clothes for like the next two weeks.
0: And I could definitely see, especially in a grain silo situation, just the amount of pressure on him. It, it it'd probably kill you be, before you could even. Oh yeah, it, it'd probably kill you before it could even get over your head. Just crush you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and um, it'd probably be like crush you, like you know, it's like t- tiny pebbles essentially. So after Philby dies, Otis grabs Skeeter, and they go to dig up Bubba. Otis is starting to think since um, since Mrs. Ritter is dead, he's starting to think that maybe Bubba is alive. There was a line I think Mary Lee said in the. Halloween party, that she's seen Bubba still. So Otis is thinking that Bubba is alive. I'm, it's that that's also ridiculous. The entire town knows that you killed Bubba. They buried him. You were taken to court and arrested over it. But anyway, he's convinced of this. He gets Skeeter to dig up Bubba's grave. And at this point, Otis kind of realizes Skeeter is not reliable. Skeeter seems a little bit developmentally challenged himself. He's certainly the most guileless of the group of four that have killed Bubba. He's the most Mm simple-minded. So this is the point at which Otis kills Skeeter by bashing his head in with a shovel. There's a great moment. I think this is such a nice touch. Where you just see Skeeter is in the grave. It cuts to Otis swinging the the shovel, and then he pulls the shovel back, and Skeeter's hat is stuck to it. Uh, Like you don't you don't see any contact. You don't even see Skeeter after this point. You just see that like oh he's dead because his brain his brain matter has stuck the hat to the shovel to the
1: shovel. Yeah.
0: Like this movie has no really no blood or gore, but it's pretty mature at times when you think about it yeah you know and
1: you also just even from like a production standpoint you know there's i can always just imagine too like a guys underneath and he like capes the hat to the shovel you know it's it's so ridiculous but it's also so well done
0: yeah you know it, there's there's like a lot of little touches in this so we're getting to the end of this movie now because this moment he's driving back drunk to his boarding house and he sees mary lee and he gets out and he chases her into a, a pumpkin patch and then an unmanned tractor starts chasing or, you know, driving behind him. And of course, he can't step to the side. Like he's got to do that movie thing where he just runs straight forward, but he's, he's running from it. I, there's a scene where you see the gear shift inside the tractor move on its own. There's nobody inside, but the gear shift moves. Apparently that was added to the 30th anniversary edition. Really? And that scene was not actually part of the original air. So it just kind of clarifies that it is supernatural forces moving this tractor because Otis at this point, he's still calling out. He now thinks that it's Sam, the district attorney who was trying to put him away. There's a weird runner in this movie Movie where Otis is telling the others that they can't get together they can't like hang out so much or else people will know what they did and I kept like wondering why he was so worried that people were going to know what they did because everybody knows what they did yeah they were celebrating
1: afterwards too in a sense I mean everyone was at the the courthouse
0: yeah and I guess I guess maybe this maybe this kind of speaks to your theory that a lot of that is in his head <laughs> because maybe maybe the Town doesn't quite know the, you know, that he did it. Maybe he is really trying to hide the depth of his guilt. But anyway, he's running from the unmanned Unman tractor and he runs into a pitchfork being held by a scarecrow, the same scarecrow, or at least the same design scarecrow that uh, Bubba was hiding out as. And that's the end of him. It's not quite the end of the movie. There's still a little bit, little scene left. But I have to say, I fucking love the scarecrow mask in this movie. Yeah. It's just a sackcloth with three holes, but the way that it kind of I don't know how it, if it just falls that way because of gravity or if they actually molded it a bit, but the way that it sticks out a little bit down towards the bottom, a little bit more at the mouth than it does at the, you know, forehead, it's just three holes. It's so cool looking. I I really I really love it. And if I have any complaint about this movie, and it, it's a it's not even a complaint because I you know, the movie is what it is. It looks so good. I wish we saw more of it.
1: Yeah, I wanted to see more Scarecrow because when we saw the Scarecrow, it was a really good Scarecrow.
0: And it that may have dispelled some of the magic for me, only because the, the first time we see the Scarecrow after Bubba's death, it's in Harless's field it's an empty field but it's way off in the distance i've got a pretty big tv and it was hard not hard to see but it's tiny on my big tv i can only imagine what a 1981 t- tube television would look like you I'm assuming that you might not it. even see it it's just far off in the distance it's so subtle and so eerie it's it's the type of spooky shit that i just love like it's i go crazy for it so maybe seeing it more would dispel that and it would certainly like ruin a little bit of the murder mystery aspect of this movie yeah Um, some some
1: of the what's going on you know creepy aspect of
0: it but there's a there's a couple of other creepy moments right like right before Philby dies, he he can hear somebody is moving around. He knows somebody is out there at his office or the, the grain silo. At first he tries to run away. He thinks that he's discovered, like he he comes across and there's like just a loose chain that's making noise. So he thinks like, oh, that's what it was. And he turns around and he sees somebody in his office doorway. The person's hand is out against the outer wall of the office. And he turns the light off inside and slinks away. It's such a move where the killer, you know, the killer wanted philby to see him that way and you don't really get a glimpse of who it is all you really see is the arm and like kind of the the right side of the body i i really like that too that that was like i watched that and i was like oh that that's pretty i keep saying the word spooky but
1: yeah, the, but this is such a hidden gem the more that we talk about it the more i want to rewatch it the more i know i'm going to watch it coming down the road it's like this would be this is a perfect halloween movie that i will return to years from now
0: yes it's i'm not sure it's going to make my annual rotation but there is a like i said there is a dvd blu-ray out there i really definitely want to get the blu-ray eventually but i mean it's it's streaming for free so for now as long as it stays up there it can uh, enter some sort of rotation yeah so uh just a little bit of production here like i said it was um filmed on 35 millimeter but it was filmed with Panavision Panaflex cameras, and those are a favorite of John Carpenter, which is one of the reasons this probably looks pretty good. The uh, writer, J.D. Feigelson, he's worked mainly in TV, a few TV movies and stuff. He actually wrote this with the aim to make it as his own independent film. It was gonna be a feature film. CBS bought it as a movie of the week. And he says that despite it being on TV, all they did was make a few dialogue changes. It was not going to have the blood and guts like a lot of people were saying that they thought it was toned down for the TV production. He said that was pretty much always the way it was going to be. Wow. The director Frank De He's mostly known as a writer. He wrote several novels, including Audrey Rose and The Entity. I don't know if you saw either of those movies. I've um, seen
1: The Entity, not Audrey Rose.
0: I've seen The Entity, and that was. I mean, it's not a favorite of mine, but that was pretty extreme. And he's worked a lot in TV. All of his directorial efforts are basically TV movies. And apparently there is a sequel to this upcoming. It's currently in post-production according to IMDb and it's written, produced, directed and co-edited by the writer of the original JD Feigelson. Cool. i have actually excited to hear about that. Yeah. No returning cast members, obviously. I mean, they would return. So I think we're, we're kind of wrapping up this segment of the podcast. Do you have anything else you want to say?
1: All I just got to say, Charles during sells this
0: to me. Every single time I see his crazy hair. I kind of want to see him in a Kubrick movie because he's got that Kubrick stare down. Yeah, this is, I think, a movie that it doesn't really break any new ground. It's not the most of anything that it does. It's not the scariest. It's not It's not the most gory. It's not the most terrifying, whatever. But it is so solid in everything that it does. Every choice is kind of the right choice for what this movie wants to be. I really think a lot more people should check it out. And it's it's readily available like I said Tubi is free so watch it on that I, I mean I, I really like this one I think it's it's worth a shot one interesting thing I really like about this movie if you if you look at it at the end of the movie Otis has killed as many people as Bubba does throughout the course there's actually a moment in the movie where Otis has killed more people than Bubba did Otis kills well Bubba for one then he kills Mrs. Ritter and he kills Skeeter and by the time he kills Skeeter. Bubba has only killed Harless and Philby. Whoa. So, so Otis outpaces him for a bit, three to two. Then Bubba kills Otis, so they even out the score at three to three. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get that on our scorecards. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, I think that's going to do it for this. Let's uh, take a quick break, and then we will be back to talk about Scarecrows from 1988. (laughs) and we're back and now we're going to be discussing scarecrows from 1988 scarecrows is the story of a group of mercenaries who have just pulled off a robbery of a military base and have hijacked a civilian cargo plane to make their getaway while flying to mexico bert one of the mercenaries betrays his comrades and lobs a grenade into the plane as he jumps out with the money the mercenaries circle back and parachute down to try and catch bert and all sides find themselves beset by murderous scarecrows who turn out to be the spirits of the fowlers, three men who lived on the farm and now stand as bloodthirsty protectors of the land. So I had seen this one before, but Zeke, have, had you seen this one? I couldn't remember if you said you'd watched it before or not. Absolutely. First time I've ever seen this movie. All right. And uh, I guess I just ask you, what did you think?
1: You know, I I didn't really know what to expect. You know, coming off of uh, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, I almost expected it to be kind of more in that horror revenge
0: flair this almost turned out to be more of like an action film for me i kept thinking of aliens for some reason i had the same reaction because this came out in 1988 and i was watching it i was like oh this is kind of like predator almost where it's a bunch of commandos in almost a tropical climb like they're in a kind of a swampy area not a big forest but it's very overgrown and green and so i kind of thought like oh they're, it's like predator they're beset by these you know weird force they can't really see for most of the movie and then i also thought about aliens i thought they must be trying to go for some of that. Like it's gotta be aping that style just a little bit, but you know, this was actually filmed in 1984. Oh, whoa. So it predates both movies. No way, but it was filmed in 1984 and they had a distributor that went bankrupt. And so they gave it like a one week run in Indiana in one theater, just so they could tell distributors, Hey, it's, it's had a theatrical run (laughs) and, uh, eventually came out it just went to video in 1988
1: uh, yeah you know it's it's it feels like also in the mid 80s and started with aliens which is why i felt it was similar how you always had that mercenary fighting something that's unknown you know they have all this firepower they have all this technology but it doesn't quite doesn't quite live up to the terror as to the unknown which is going on yeah and it's uh, interesting that this kind of kicks it off before all the rest of them started
0: yeah and what's m- more interesting is that it's such a as a direct-to-video movie or not really direct-to-video i I think it was planned. They were hoping to sell it theatrically, but as an independently financed film, it it does feel like this would be mimicking trends. It's interesting that in a way you could actually make an argument. It kicked off some of the larger trends in like action or action horror for the next couple of years, getting into the plot of the movie. This movie opens with a lot of information right off the bat. You get the credits intercut with a camera zooming in on a scarecrow's face and then it starts showing shots in the airplane that the commandos hijacked mm-hmm. and they're all arguing and there's news radio is talking about the daring escape the heist that they pulled off at camp pendleton was it, it it's a military yeah, camp
1: pendleton and i think san diego if i recall
0: uh this is filmed in florida i think it looks quite clearly like florida so it's weird that they they said it was california uh, yeah
1: it's it, it definitely has like a swamp almost everglades feel it.
0: so it opens the. There's a bit of an exchange. Bert, the trader, uh, jumps out of the plane with. I think they say it's three million dollars.
1: Yeah, he um, they stole three million dollars from the payroll of Camp Pendleton.
0: I don't know how big is Camp Pendleton. Does that seem like a good number to you? Does that seem a little high or? I, you know, honestly, I don't know. You know, I don't know exactly how big. Honestly, this is the first time I've heard of Camp Pendleton.
1: Supposedly, there is a Camp Pendleton down in San Diego.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was looking it up. There was some argument because camp is not usually what you call an army base. Army bases are usually fort, but there is a camp Pendleton. So there is a camp Pendleton. There is a camp Pendleton for army, but most of the time army bases are forts. It's kind of meaningless stuff that you find when you're researching the movie. <laughs> uh, but yeah. he, he jumps down. The beginning of the movie is a little interminable for me. I do like this movie, but the beginning is very, you're just getting so much at once. And when Bert jumps, he's still got his earpiece in so he can see, hear, he can hear what everybody on the plane is saying. And they continue talking to him, and Bert never talks back. But we're getting a lot of them yelling at Bert for a long time. And it's a bunch of variations on, We're coming to get you, Bert, or You're crow shit, Bert. Like,
1: or i have an exploding gun bert i'm going to explode you
0: yeah it's it just goes on for a long time and bert is on the ground he's trying to find the money he's trying to find a way to get out of there like he finds a, a truck and they're still on the plane watching him with night vision goggles bert is our first casualty he's the first one he comes across the scarecrows which we'll later learn are the fowlers But you won't learn it if you're not paying very close attention to this movie because they do not make a big deal out of it. But
1: you know what? This also brings up a point where I've got confused. So they set everything up right off the bat where there's a lot of talk and exposition and dialogue happening off scene. People in the plane are talking down to Bert. You hear the newscasters talking. I really got confused because don't the
0: scarecrows start talking as well too? I didn't even realize that until this viewing that the scarecrows were talking. The last, the first time I saw this movie, I thought he was just hearing what people were saying to him from the plane. I thought they were taunting him. And I thought that was him reacting to their taunts because they don't sound that much different. And it no, keeps- No, not at all. It keeps showing the scarecrows, but the audio and what we're hearing are the voices of the people on the plane. And it is not clear at all that it's the scarecrows Mimicking the voices and luring him towards them. Yeah, the only way how I realized that was by watching with subtitles. That's What's exactly
1: that's exactly mimicking. how I found that out this time. And yeah, it's, it's and I would never found it off if I saw it on VHS or something.
0: And that raises more questions because wouldn't Bert realize it, that those voices weren't coming through his headset anymore? Well, you know, I, later on in the film, and we're jumping a bit, but I forget who it was when they're in the house,
1: and he starts hearing stuff like somebody talking to him on the phone and everyone's like, yeah, I'm not hearing anything, dude. What's going on with you? I think it's when you hear the scarecrows or when people hear the scarecrows, it's happening in their head. Like when the scarecrows are mimicking the dog barking. Yeah. So it's, I think it's something that's happening in their head. So even if he's wearing the headpiece, it still sounds like it's coming through
0: the headpiece in a sense. That makes a lot of sense, actually. One more thing I was kind of confused about in this is when... When the scarecrows murder Bert and it's clearly the scarecrow is doing it it keeps cutting to another scarecrow that is up on his post that is not moving but it's clearly a living scarecrow because you see it breathing oh yeah that it's, scarecrow it's, breathing shot is yeah it's very obviously breathing but i was wondering what what that scarecrow was doing in relation to everybody else because they cut to that scarecrow a few times later in the movie as well and it's always on the post it is always clearly breathing but it is doing that while the scarecrows are killing others so it, it, is it an unnamed because the three scarecrows that are out walking around they're the fowlers is this supposed to be an unnamed watcher scarecrow that yeah how many scarecrows really are there and in fact is all the other
1: scarecrows because this field is full of scarecrows how many of these are actually animated scarecrows so to speak
0: yeah because they they show or they point out that they keep seeing the crosses and they're not they're not really crosses it's just what the scarecrows are on but they keep seeing the three empty ones so i think we're supposed to realize that there's only the three the fowlers who used to live in, in the farmhouse and we don't really get any in- information about how they became scarecrows why they became scarecrows they just see pictures of them in the house and the the conclusion is drawn that the three scarecrows out there murdering people are the fowlers the mercenaries in this you know uh chaos of the beginning they all convene at the farmhouse which it was apparently a real farmhouse that production rented that was crumbling uh it sounded very unsafe it sounded like the them a lot of problems but they get there they do not know that bert has died which leads to later on kind of bert comes back and they think he's alive and in fact he has been stitched together again by the scarecrows he has been gutted mm-hmm. harvested for parts and sent back out there as a reanimated corpse and they don't realize this uh until they kind of beat him to death and his head comes off i can't remember oh no he starts attacking them and they Yeah, he starts
1: attacking them and they shoot him.
0: And that's when they realize that not only is he just come to life and he's stuffed,
1: but he's also stuffed with the money too.
0: Yeah, which is, it leads to my favorite line in the movie. When his heads come off and Corbin, who's the big tough guy that doesn't speak a lot and he's always smoking a cigar, he sticks his knife into Bert's neck cavity and like lifts up to open his chest. And everybody sees that he's full of money. (laughs) like <laughs> he's full of crumpled bloody dollar bills and everything and the best line in the movie is Roxanne the woman mercenary she says the money he ate the goddamn money yeah. <laughs> which is such a funny reaction cuz he's got no internal organs it's just full of crumpled dollar bills yeah there's no throat
1: it's literally empty just stuffed with money
0: yeah that got a laugh out of me the first time and the second time too i it's such a funny reaction i guess we can talk like the special effects in this movie were for how cheap I know this movie was and how low budget, I really like the designs. The scarecrows don't really look like the scarecrows because they're not, they're not like a sackcloth base. They're a little bit too formed. Like you can tell yeah. they're they're a mask kind of, but I still think they look cool. And yeah, you know, we, we got we had two movies this time which really kind of nailed the whole scarecrow aesthetic. You have
1: the first one, Dark Nine Scarecrow, where it looks more like a mask with the eyes cut out. This scarecrow ever, looks a little bit more um you know, it looks more traditional, but you could see the features. I mean, they're not distinct, but you could tell, okay, this is the eyes, nose, mouth. You could see it lightly breathing, which really creep me out, man. Really yeah. creeped me out.
0: Yeah, and actually like they do have a little bit more form to them. Cause you can kind of see the contours of their cheeks mm-hmm. and mouths and everything. Like you can see on one, it's, it's kind of smiling, but I, I really enjoy the special effects in this movie. The, the gore when it happens is actually very, you can tell that the effect is really cool. The problem though, I, I feel like it's edited very poorly, the scenes of the violence and when they're killing somebody they're they're often edited into a weird jumble which combined Mm -hmm. with how dark the movie is can make it visually confusing. Yeah. It's very
1: disorientating. You know, it's a, you don't know exactly where they're at and what's happening. And then it cuts all of a sudden to like body on the ground, opened up with bloody dollar bills
0: inside. A lot of the times you can understand that that's because of the limitations of their budget. They're covering everything in darkness. They're cutting around the effects that they don't have. And in this one, you can actually see that the effects are there that they have good special effects, uh, but they're cut in a weird way. And I'm of the opinion when it comes to monster movies or horror movies like this, no matter how bad your monster is, if you make a monster, no matter how cheesy it looks, I want to be seeing it as much as possible. I just like seeing monsters, even if they're not the best realized. And in this, they had good monsters, they had good effects and good gore. I wish they'd let us see it more.
1: Well, and that's the thing too, is is that the problem is, is that you do see a lot of scarecrows in this movie. There's a ton of scarecrows in this movie, but because it's so dark, you really don't get to see them. You know, it's you see people running into them in this jungle, and knocking into them, and kind of flailing around a little bit, and then you realize it's a stuffed one, and then all of a sudden the animate ones come behind them and kill them.
0: You're right. There are a lot of scarecrows, and actually. Part of the problem might have been they might have been trying to avoid getting too harsh of a rating like an NC 17 or an X because when it gets to the bloody parts, there's actually quite a bit of it that is very gory. Like the when Bert when they cut Bert open and he like slowly sticks the blade into him, that that's gross. Later on, there's um, is it it's Jack, I think the kind of the simple minded one who gets yeah, Jack
1: is the one who who
0: yes. They, they, yes. Is it him they cut his hand off? Yes. They cut his hand off and attach it to one of the Scarecrows because the Scarecrow is missing a hand. Mm-hmm. That's pretty gruesome. So this is this is kind of a level of of gore. Maybe they, since they were hoping for a theatrical release, maybe they were hoping to not cross a line. I know there is an R-rated cut and an unrated cut of this movie. And because this movie is short, it's, only, it's less than an hour and a half. I, I was worried maybe we saw the... R-rated version but we both watched it on Amazon Prime correct yeah we watched it on Amazon Prime and that is the uncut version Um, really the the R-rated version is is four minutes shorter cuts out more of the gore I guess and and since it went straight to video that's kind of (laughs) weird that they would they would cut it out for that but yeah the this version as jumbled as it is at times is the uncut
1: Hmm. well I can see that I mean when they do do the gore it's very it's very good. I mean, it's very, um well, it's very gory,
0: yeah, speaking of the gore, it looks really good. Five thousand dollars. That's how much the special effects budget for this movie was. Wow, even Impressive in eighty four five thousand. Yeah, even in eighty four, that seems like a pretty small number for what we see. Um mm-hmm. like I said, it's dark, but you can tell it's well done. The guy who did it, uh, there's a couple of makeup art effects artists, but the main makeup effects artist guy is uh, Norman Cabrera. and he went on after this to work with Rick Baker. And has had a really, really successful career. He did effects for I think he worked with B for a while too. He he did effects for House of a Thousand Corpses, Kill Bill, The Walking Dead for a couple of years, Hellboy 2, X-Men 3, the upcoming Ghostbusters as well. And he's actually this part blew my mind when I found out. He is a the front man of the surf rock band, The Ghastly Ones. Oh wow. And and I'm not sure if you've heard them. They have a few albums out. I found them in the nineties because they were on. I think it was the 90s oh, time these days. They were on Rob Zombie's label that he had for just a little while where he was releasing a lot of garage surf rock. He only put out a few albums on it, but theirs was one of them. And it was a lot of fun. I, I'm a big fan. So it was very... It, That's it was an interesting ver- kind of like connection there. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of fun connections in this because the cinematographer, Peter Deming, uh-huh. this was his first movie. And after this, he, he went on to work on Evil Dead 2. Oh, whoa. Yeah. And you can see that in some of the shots, they do kind of the Sam Raimi, like the person is stationary and the camera is pushing against them really fast. So they're, they're like standing a little bit still as they fly back to the wall. Mm -hmm. Of course, Sam Raimi had done that before, but you could see in this that maybe they would be a bit simpatico, but not only that he has gone on, he has worked with David Lynch on every project since Lost Highway. Lost Highway Lost Highway, Mulholland Drive, and Twin Peaks: of The Return. The only major project he didn't work on was uh, Inland Empire, but that's just because David Lynch did all that himself. Yeah, he did all himself. Yeah. To think, like from here to Twin Peaks season three and Mulholland Drive is quite a career leap. Well, and yeah, and you know, I can't. You know, it's it's blowing my mind to think of that. I instead of seeing
1: when I watch this film, I don't get Lynch. I don't get any of that. But what I get was I get a really heavy John Carpenter vibe.
0: Yes, yes. This is very much a kind of a John Carpenter type movie where maybe since this is predating aliens and Predator instead of mimicking that, that, that puts it in a very good context because this is very much his type of group of guys hold up in one location against an, an invading force outside. He's very much into that camaraderie and group dynamic amidst the horror yeah and um didn't the
1: producer go on to uh do i want to say village of the damned or right
0: yeah uh it was actually ted vernon Mm because ted vernon is corbin the tough guy
1: yeah yeah the 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 bald head beer guy
0: yeah he has such an interesting career because he was he had an auto body shop and then he became a boxer and a professional wrestler (laughs) in florida And he had like a pretty good record when he was boxing, but he didn't do it very long. But news stories in Florida at the time remarked on how odd it was that he was boxing now, because at the time he was already a millionaire. So it wasn't something he did for money. It was just something he did for fun. But he also was a demolition derby driver for a while. What? And he financed a very large chunk of this movie. $150,000 of his own money was put into this movie. And that's how he got the role. And... (laughs) Since he wasn't, he was a new actor. Uh, the director gave him very few lines. Ted Vernon apparently was very unhappy with that, thought he should have had a lot more lines in the movie. But he, he is nominally the hero of the film. He, yeah, you it. know, there's
1: no real other protagonist other than the teenage girl. And even then, I mean, the teenage girl and the dog, that's really about it.
0: Ted Vernon, uh, he has acted a little bit. He's actually acted quite a bit in a lot of uh, kind of direct to video like wrestling themed stuff as well, but strangely produced Village of the Damned, John Carpenter's Village of the Damned. And I really would like to know how he became involved with that because he's a producer on this only because he gave the money. Yeah. For everybody in this movie that went on to have a career, William Wesley, uh, the director, for a long time, this was his only film. I guess he became a creative executive for a while. He founded a film school here in LA. He directed one other feature and that wasn't until 2001, Route 666 with... Uh-huh. um Lou Diamond Phillips and Laurie Petty. Yeah, I think I, I remember seeing the cover in the video store. I just never bothered with renting it. Uh, you aren't missing a lot. I watched it, I think on Amazon Prime after I finished Scarecrows, because I'm always interested in these people who make like one movie or two movies and then don't do anything else again. I mean, obviously he's working, he's in the industry, but it, mm-hmm. I'm always interested in people who just direct a movie and never do it again. And the fact that he directed one movie and then 17 years later directed a second movie it's such an interesting career movie that i i just had to check it out and there's a lot of similarities because it, it it deals with uh lou diamond phillips and laurie petty are u.s marshals and they're transporting a witness who had escaped from witness protection and they get beset by first hitmen and then resurrected prisoners who had died on a chain gang in the 60s i think okay it's very 90s it's not Tarantino esque, but it's very much that '90s, very trying to be very hip and verbose dialogue. It's very cheesy. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I can't well, even the say I on the Amazon Prime. I
1: might as well just check it out sometime later.
0: Yeah, I can't even say I got got that much enjoyment out of it. I I like watching everything, but this one was oof. It's it's it kind of rough. a stinker. I I shouldn't say that. I mean, I don't want to be like a snarky movie podcast, but it just was. It was kind of bland. It was rough. You know? Yeah, but actually, like watching it, I did almost find myself mentally taking notes. Like, ah, oh, if I were talking about this movie, this is what I would say. I just had to like eject all that from my brain because I'm like, no, 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 we're not going to talk about this. <laughs> um, yeah. So, like I said, I I do enjoy this movie. It's weird that it's so short. It like- goes.
1: Really, really quick at times. You it's know?
0: really, it is really well paced. I will say watching it the second time. And even though I, I watched it the first time, not that long ago, the level of the effects and how much gore were in the movie surprised me a little bit, only because as fun as this movie is, and I, I do think it is fun, uh-huh. it, it does not leave a huge impression.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it, you know, it's a, it's, it's a popcorn film. You know, you go, you watch it with friends, have a good time
0: and then that's it yeah i'd say i'd say it would be easy to like a movie you kind of put on you know maybe don't pay that close attention to but there's so much stuff that you really are supposed to be paying attention to to understand what's going on in the movie yeah you know it just
1: let alone with the voiceovers and the the scarecrows mimicking other people i mean it gets it gets it's complicated really fast you know uh it was bert also at the beginning too half of his dialogue Actually, I only think the only dialogue he had was all in his head. So he'd be internalizing things like, oh, man, I wonder where the keys are. Keys should be here. I better drive down this road. And it took me a while to realize that he's just thinking all this stuff in his head.
0: Yeah, the audio in this is a real problem. Like, there was too much voiceover in the beginning of the film. And there's more voiceover at the end because we're, we're jumping over a lot of plot. But you guys get the idea. At the end of the movie, the only people that are left alive are Kelly, the daughter of the airline pilot, Kelly's dog and Corbin, because Corbin's such a badass. In the middle, everybody in the movie acts like an idiot. After there is something out there, after they know there is something out there killing them, after it has killed two people. And one of them, a very heavily armed and paranoid mercenary, they still decide to split up and not split up in groups. They just, they do split up in groups, but then the groups start to split up and people just go off walking because they see little crumpled bills on the ground. And it's like E.T. with the Reese's Pieces. They have to keep picking them up until they run into a (laughs) scarecrow. So, this is something that bothered me with this film, and I don't know
1: if you caught this. Did you happen to catch the denomination of the bills, they were pretty small, right? Oh, yeah, they're like maybe five, ten, twenty dollars, if that. But well, they're like, oh my gosh, all the money's here. And so, when they've gone and picked up like a handful of this, they probably have maybe about a little bit more than a couple hundred dollars, roughly.
0: Well, I remember in the beginning when Burt thinks that he's been surrounded by his comrades but it's actually the scarecrows he tries to give the money back and he's holding up a really tiny bag that doesn't look very heavy and i'm just yeah. thinking that is not three million dollars yeah it's 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 especially not in 20s yeah no I, I was kind of jumping to the end but now i find that i want to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that happened in the middle because there is some cool ghostly stuff that goes on curry the leader of the group he starts to hear voices like he's hearing the phone ringing right He's mm-hmm. going a little mad, but the scarecrows are messing with him. There's a really cool moment where he gets a phone call and he answers it. And I think it's I think it's supposed to be Bert on the phone. And you see in the background, when he's on the phone, the refrigerator door pops open. He turns and looks, and there's a bag in there, and he goes and he pulls the cloth off and it's Bert's head. And Bert's like, So who's on the phone? It <laughs> it's such like there is an inventiveness to it. Like you can tell the people that were making it were having fun. Yeah, which, they were. Which always goes a long way. Because there's a lot of these low budget movies and we've actually been watching a lot of them together uh lately that mm-hmm. that maybe they aren't this much fun they don't go down this easy i talk i'm talking a lot about my problems with it but i think this movie does it goes down easy. It's a, it's an easy watch.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those ones where, you know, sometimes you have to really watch out for certain films like, oh, is this going to be too gory? Oh, is this going to be too this? It's going to be too that. But it really is something that's just kind of decent for everybody. It's not perfect, but
0: it's good. I would say this is not a forgotten classic. It is probably very adequately rated out there in the horror fandom. But it is a movie that if if you have a, a hankering for something from the 80s you haven't seen before, just that 80s style, practical effects horror, there are a lot worse options out there than this. This is actually a fun movie. Yeah, it is, it's fun. So the movie ends, Kelly and Corbin are on the plane. There's a little bit of back and forth. Corbin saves Kelly at one point, but then later Kelly comes back and saves Corbin from the zombies. So they're kind of even and they fly off, and the ending of the movie, I thought, was a little bit more harrowing than the filmmakers thought it would be or intended it to be, because on the plane is Kelly's dad, who has been gutted and re-sewn up and is basically a murderous zombie. The dad seemingly kills Corbin and is slowly approaching his daughter, who is flying the plane, and attacking his daughter, and its if you just think about that for a moment, I don't think the filmmakers realized how Very creepy that would be.
1: Yeah, it's it's really well done too. I mean, like it's just very slow when it builds.
0: And there's this there's there's a moment when he first attacks her, he stabs her through her outstretched arm, like she's reaching up and he stabs through her wrist. And it's so it's very sudden. It just kind of gave me like a ooh, that would that was gnarly. Yeah. Then the movie ends. Like he's attacking Kelly, but Corbin isn't quite dead. Corbin comes up and pulls him back and explodes a grenade in the middle of the plane. Yeah, it doesn't even damage the plane. Doesn't, it doesn't even damage. The plane. It doesn't even singe the walls. And like they explode, and then Kelly's dog, who's just been kind of sleepy, and he's like, "Is he a Basset Hound or a English yeah, bulldog?" He, he's like a little. He looks like a
1: Basset Hound, I don't know he is, but it's my favorite part of the movie. Dog comes up, starts eating the brains. And, and the it's brain. like, oh
0: come on! The dog has been so good the entire movie, and now like Kelly's got to watch the dog eating her father's brains. Or maybe the brain, maybe the brains of uh, Corbin because I guess they, yeah. they could have taken the brains out of. It's all mixed up in the end right there. It's all yeah. mixed up. But that's the end of the movie. And then the credits start and it's almost a mirror image of the beginning because you never see what happens to Kelly but you hear about it on news. You hear radio news. And it's the the same shot of the scarecrow, but this time it's pulling away instead of zooming in. It does say some stuff. And this is where I got confused was
1: it was saying about how the dog was aggressive. I almost thought that the dog, after he ate the scarecrow, maybe became the scarecrow. But I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But,
0: well, you, you know, mean, it just says it is an odd thing for them to put in there because the dog is in the dog is never aggressive. The dog only- is super tiny, too. Yeah. In all of these scenes where people are fighting around the dog and it, you would think like a dog, you know, I've been around dogs. When people are angry and loud and violent around dogs, they either do two things, they run away or they just start to get loud and angry and violent themselves. This dog just sits there and watches it. The, the dog doesn't react to anything ever in the movie. Other than the food. Yeah. Yeah. Other than food. So to hear on the uh, news report that the dog attacked several SWAT team members (laughs) is kind of like, well, yeah, is this a zombie virus now that the dog is bringing back? Yeah. Uh, Is this dog going to infect all these people to come scarecrows? (laughs) well maybe maybe that's how the fowlers became scarecrows i gotta do some research maybe they had a dog maybe they had a dog and the dogs are carriers i I guess something on that farm Uh, brains apparently there's also this very bizarre moment right before the end of the movie and it's the news report the radio news report it's talking about the plane from the heist landed and kelly is catatonic and then they go to and then they go to in other news And the other news is about another airline pilot or about another (laughs) airplane. Uh, About an airline co-pilot that landed a plane after the pilot suffered a heart attack. And then it's done. And that's such a weird thing to just in your movie, write two airplane stories back to back in the news and not comment on it. Like it doesn't mean anything. It's just a weird choice to me. Yeah, it is. You thought it connected in some way, shape or form. Yeah. And then one last funny thing or not funny thing, but one last fun thing. Everybody in the credits are separated into two groups, crows and scarecrows. I thought that was fun. Yeah, it was a fun little nod. I guess we're kind of at the end of it. This one seemed to go by pretty quick too. Do you have any final thoughts? Is there any anything else that you'd like to say about scarecrows? No, I just really dug the part where the dog ate the brains. Your favorite part of the movie. And my favorite part of the movie, the money. He ate the goddamn money. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Okay, the last thing we like to do on this show is we like to give some recommendations, give a quick list, some top fives of some films that fit in the theme that we just discussed. Kind of go quickly through these here, just say a couple of words about them. Uh, but how about you, Zeke? Let's go with you for your first pick.
1: Yeah, I'll start right off the bat. My, my, one of my picks for this is Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. I really enjoy this movie. And I can see myself returning this movie year after year. It's a fun little movie. It's, you know, it's, it's just the right amount of suspense and terror that you could share it with many people without them being, you know, scared or... It's, it's, it's a fun time. It doesn't scare too much. It doesn't have too much gore. It's, it hits that right middle ground that it's for
0: everybody. I totally agree. So my first pick... And these are in no order at all. These are just five that came to me that I decided to mention. I'm going to go with Signs from M. Night Shyamalan.
1: Nice pick. Nice pick.
0: Yeah, I really like this. This and my next pick are inextricably linked in my mind. I saw them in theaters on the same day. And this was such a fun theater experience. It was almost empty, but it was still just such a tense, in the best way, experience. Like when the brother is watching the news and there's that, video of a birthday party and the alien comes and you out. see the
1: alien run across oh yeah
0: everything about it, it the build up in that movie is so great we do not have to talk about the ending which is kind of a little bit of a letdown but everything that's right up until the ending it's like this is such a great build up
1: one question I got asked one of the things which I loved about this movie it almost had a fairy tale quality to it did you get that feeling as well too like this kind of like a Like a Brothers grim feel?
0: I honestly did not get that. I haven't watched it in a few years, but I will watch it again with that in mind. I certainly got that out of his next couple of movies. (laughs) But uh, for signs, no, I actually didn't. Yeah, (laughs)
1: Just certain scenes in the movie. Like I remember them at the end, walking up the staircase and seeing the window boarded up with like it was it looks like the top of the playground that they had outside where there's cut out holes of like stars and moons it gave it a very surreal aspect to it
0: yeah i can see that I, that makes sense like i said i haven't seen it in a few years i'm really gonna have to revisit it
1: well the second pick of mine um you know i don't know how much farm this is but my second pick is Pumpkinhead.
0: yes that was actually my alternates i have a couple of alternates in case we double up <laughs> and that was the one i had in my alternate I'm glad you picked it.
1: Yeah, Pumpkinhead's a classic, you know? that's It's perfect.
0: Yeah, definitely one of the great monsters to come out of, especially the 80s. The look of it is so cool, and in the wide shots, just seeing that large body, it's really great.
1: Yeah, it's very intimidating. Very intimidating.
0: Next up for me, inextricably linked with Signs, is Frailty. The Bill Paxton directorial, feature directorial debut. Uh, at least i'm not can't remember if he directed anything television maybe
1: i've never seen that movie what's it about
0: so it's kind of told in flashback the framing device is in modern day but the flashback is these kids in the south in texas i believe and their dad has a vision that god is speaking to him and is convinced that he can see demons they look like people to everybody else and he has to murder them and so the two kids one of them believes and the other starts to think that his dad is going crazy. And so there is a very, I mean, so it's a battle of faith versus logic and it, it's kind of interesting where it goes. There's some humor to it. It's a pretty dark movie. I remember when I watched it in theaters, I kind of thought it would it would play better on television, not as a TV movie. Maybe it was something about the big screen didn't feel right for it. It felt like it would be better sitting in a dark room in your home watching it. And it's one I've gone back to a few times. It's really good. I I would highly recommend it. Nice, I'll,
1: I'll definitely check it out.
0: And what's up for you?
1: Well, another classic, Children of the Corn. I saw Children of the Corn so long ago, it's imprinted on me. And you know, I've seen the movie many times, but it's like, I have these like visceral reactions from when I was like, I don't know, like eight, nine years old from the movie it's terrifying to me
0: i've seen it a little bit more recently and i kind of think that i think it kind of goes along the same things i was saying about signs where the buildup is really great the ending suffers from some very shoddy 80s effects oh yeah yeah but the build-up I think is really fun. I think it's a clever premise and it's one of those, like that empty town and those corn stalks. It's just such an image from my childhood that is burned in my brain as this is both very creepy and disturbing, but also very comforting. And I want to be there, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, completely, completely.
0: So I am going for, I'm, I'm looking at my order of, of picks here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with one that may not, actually jump out as a farmland fright i am going to go with creep show the original creep show george romero mm. Stephen king
1: nice yeah I,
0: I am going for creep show because Jordy verrill Jordy verrill Stephen king's very controversial cameo and i say controversial i just mean people are very mixed on that i know a lot of people hate it because of it's his bad acting I think his acting is a lot of fun. It's perfectly in tone with the movie itself. I think he's more in, in tune with what the movie is trying to be, which is a live-action comic book, Yeah. Than, than a lot of the other more serious and better actors in the movie.
1: Is, you know, It's, it's, it's funny you mention that. I've, I love Creepshow. I love that movie. And when I was young, I hated I hated that segment of the movie. But as I grew up and I got into things like all the EC comics like Tales from the Crypt, Vault of Horror, I saw what the movie was. It was a homage to these beautifully written, fun, goofy and over-the-top comics. That segment nails that tone. It's 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 part like upsetting, part satirical, it's funny, it's sad. It's it's really good
0: it is actually my favorite segment in the movie that's probably going to maybe not shock but I think a few people would take umbrage with that it's always been the part that creeped me out the most I mean everybody points to the bugs the cockroaches in the final segment they don't bother me as much as the idea of Jordy Verrill alone with an alien substance growing on every surface of his body out of his tongue out of his eyes out of his skin just everywhere this like fungus growing on him he's he's dying slowly and his only out is suicide then it ends and it's just going to spread over the entire world and it's a
1: s- the a rainstorm is coming in yes
0: his acting is so goofy intentionally so i believe he's and i get it kind of annoying <laughs> kind of stupid very stupid but it's so goofy it's told like a joke but it's actually the darkest story in the movie yeah
1: i completely agree great choice great choice all right we're going to rewind time a little bit it's a more recent movie but it takes place a little further back it's uh you know it's kind of farm but um i chose the witch
0: oh okay
1: yeah you know i mean i understand it's more puritan more colonial but they are on a farm, right? And you know, when you have a farm movie, one of the key elements of a farm movie is that sense of isolation. And I love that sense of isolation in this movie, where it's just this family out in the middle of nowhere. All of this has happened to them, and and they don't know what to do. You know, it's 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 terrifying. It's beautifully shot. You know what? It's, it hits all the notes for a good. Farm horror movie for me.
0: Yeah, I uh, I definitely liked it when I saw it. I do need to see it again. I I mean, I think it's a good choice. I think it's a solid choice. I can't say that I quite loved it as much as everybody else in the world did, but I may have been expecting something else, or I may have just been in a bad mood. It happens sometimes, you know. I watch a movie and hate it, and I'll, or not even just hate it. I did not hate the movie. I watch a movie and I'm like, ah, you know, okay, and then I'll watch it again like a year or two later and be like oh what was I thinking this movie is great
1: well and that's the thing I I when I saw the movie the first time I loathed the movie I hated it but a lot of it had to do with the fact I was watching it and it wasn't the best experience and at, when I went back home when I actually started to really kind of dig into it give it a second chance I was really surprised at that this the sense of terror and isolation it's really good
0: yeah I, I do need to see it again that, that'll be maybe I'll pull it out not pull it up. Maybe I'll pull it up here for this Halloween season.
1: Yeah, yeah, give it a shot. You know, it's like one of the worst movie experiences I ever had in a theater, hands down. It was awful, dude. I went to see it for a matinee, and some family brought their uh, their three-year-old, their four-year-old, and five-year-old to go see the movie, and they let the kids run around the theater. And so we'll be watching the movie, and then like a toddler will come like crawling down the aisle. <laughs> under our feet oh man it's like fuck dude you just ruined the movie kid thanks
0: that reminds me i went to go see this is completely off topic amber and i went and watched bad santa in theaters (laughs) and this one lady came in with like five kids all under the age of 10 no and she must have thought it was a kid's movie because I mean, it's Christmas time. It's bad Santa.
1: Christmas time, Santa, Billy Bob Thornton. She yeah, kept, totally appropriate.
0: She kept putting her arms out to cover their eyes. And she kept hissing earmuffs, earmuffs throughout the <laughs> entire movie. And it was just us. It, I think one of our friends was there with us and her. The, yeah. We were the only ones in the theater. I felt so bad for those <laughs> kids. We all watch stuff way too soon. Especially, yeah. Especially horror fans. That always depresses me now <laughs> when I just see parents who don't know what they're doing with, bringing their kids to movies
1: i feel bad taking my kids to go see spider-man into the the universe or what was that what's that spider-man movie I'm like multiverse. okay this may be a little too old for them the multiverse spider-man into the multiverse man i, I could never take them to go see bad scene.
0: i know it, you, they should have just closed their eyes and ears the entire movie
1: i'm sure there's another christmas movie out for kids at the same time <laughs>
0: Well, there's plenty of them that this blockbuster still existed. <laughs> they could have gone and gotten any of those.
1: Yeah, they could have gone and got the Santa Claus.
0: Done. So I got two more, and I'm going to go with a very recent one, probably the most recent that we've got on this list. And I'm going to go with uh, Color Out of Space, Richard Stanley's triumphant return to horror. Oh, nice. Because they are on a farm. They have to milk cows, or I believe it was cows. They've got they've got horses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They've got animals on this one. <laughs> Have you seen it? Yeah, yet?
1: I mean, it's all there. No, I haven't, but it's on. It's been on my list.
0: It's really good. It is a Lovecraft adaptation that remembers the cosmic part of Lovecraft. Good, there's good, a, nice. There's a lot of uh, Lovecraft adaptations, and they they talk about you know his his fish people or yeah or maybe they'll mention a a old one like Dagon or even Cthulhu but it doesn't really pay attention to the, the scope of Lovecraft or just the weirdness that is really what's the word I'm looking for
1: prevalent yeah what's it's prevalent in his work the, yeah yeah just the, yeah. the
0: um oh, that's that, that wasn't the word but now it's all I can think of <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah the the so the the weirdness that's prevalent in all of his stories and this one really embraces it and you know i i can see people being a little bit turned off by it and it really does use that that red and blue and pink color tone that horror seems to be shifting towards these days but man it's really good and the ending is just so crazy
1: well i gotta check it out I mean, it's been on my list. I'm going to get around it really soon, probably before Halloween.
0: Yeah, it would make a good Halloween watch. It's on the list. It is my favorite Lovecraft short story. It's been filmed a few times before, but this is by far the most accurate. Cool. And so you've got one more.
1: We've been focusing on farms primarily in America, right?
0: Oh, I want to see where this is going.
1: Okay. (laughs) So, So my number one pick... Such a bad movie. I, I have to apologize for this right now, but I love this movie. You know, here in America, we think farm, we think cows, corn. We think you know outdoorsy. But what about New Zealand?
0: Okay, I think I know where you're going. What about New yep. Zealand? Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a movie from New Zealand called Black Sheep.
0: Yes, nice. That's that's a good movie.
1: Oh, it's so good. It's so bad, but it's so good.
0: That's one I haven't seen since theaters actually we really up, we got it up in Alaska, believe it or not. no way yeah we have we had like one one theater that would play just bizarre, fair, some art house stuff, some of the weirder titles that wouldn't make it into multiplexes. We saw a uh, poultry Geist there as well, <laughs> <laughs> which and they. Here's a plug for them. They're in Alaska. It's a Beartooth Theater and Grill. There's a grill and bar attached to it, and they make amazing pizza and appetizers, and they'll bring it out to your table, and they're comfortable seats. It, it's basically Alamo Drafthouse before Alamo Drafthouse, and they their food is so great there. It is probably the thing I miss most about Alaska is Beartooth Theater and Grill. Because it, it was always only $3 a movie ticket. but
1: No way! That yeah. is a great deal.
0: Because it was mostly second run, but then a couple of nights a week they would play art house or foreign films. Mm-hmm. And they made their money with the food. The food was very good and priced like it. Not like Break the Bank, but it was It was not McDonald's cheap. Okay, sorry. I completely sidetracked your movie pick, though, Black Sheep.
1: Oh, I got to say, I I saw this. I don't remember where I saw the trailer, but for about a year, I was obsessed, obsessed with finding this movie because it looks so over the top and ridiculous. And I remember getting it as a Christmas present one year, being totally over the moon. I put it in the the dvd player getting ready to be disappointed and let down because i had such high hopes and i just remember that scene where the sheep punches that guy where it's just like <laughs> a left hook off the screen and i and remember thinking just right then this is one of the greatest movies i've ever seen
0: yeah that, it's that great. great yeah i don't think i don't think i've seen that since theaters like i said i but Oh, that's another one maybe I'll pull pull up. Oh, it's so
1: much year. fun. It's so much fun. A sheep gives like some guy the left hook, man.
0: It's yeah.
1: it's so ridiculous. And then that's... the sheep human hybrid at the end.
0: Oh yeah. I remember that being kind of gross.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's over the top. It's it's crazy.
0: For my pick, I did I had a couple of I, I had like a lot more I could have chosen. I thought about critters, two of those take place on a farm. I thought of Night. They Land do. Red. Um, takes place on a farm yep i thought of near dark because the beginning and the final act of that are on a farm right i had to go with a classic maybe not the one everybody thinks of when they think of farmland frights but definitely the towering monolithic king in this genre texas chainsaw massacre
1: oh yes
0: that movie is one of those just like perfect pieces of art. If you haven't seen it or people that haven't seen it may have an idea of what the movie is about, but it's just so perfectly realized. It's the perfect level of 70s film graininess. And I love how in that movie, the scares, the appearances of Leather of Leatherface are always just timed a little off. Like the movie does a really good tri- job of priming you for a scare. And then when you you think you're still in the I'm getting primed for it. Something spooky is going to happen. Leatherface just bursts out, and it's such a big shock, and it's earlier than you're expecting it. It's
1: so good. I mean, it just, you know, you go into it also expecting Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The first time I watched it, I thought it was going to be something like Freddy or Jason, you know, something kind of kitschy and over the top, but it's so fun. The first scene where it's that almost documentarian shot Movie, it scared the shit out of me.
0: Yeah, and it still does. I remember the first time I saw this. I had I had roommates, and I was sitting in on like they were on the couch, and I was just laying on the floor watching it. And I think I freaked them out how much I was laughing at Texas Chainsaw Massacre because it's not a comedy. I would not call it comedy horror, but there is humor in it that is intentional and is very funny. The scene, my favorite scene in the movie, is when leatherface pops out and he kills i think it's when he kills the second kid okay. and he he just like runs to the window and he's looking out and he runs to another window and he's looking out and he sits down and he's just like nervously like tugging at his at his uh, clothes and like looking out the window it's like leatherface is just sitting down like where are all these damn kids coming from and it's, <laughs> it's such a humanizing moment for him even though you have no sympathy or like he they're doing horrible things but it's a humanizing moment for him where you can imagine leatherface doesn't really want to kill anybody it's just these kids keep sneaking into his house
1: yeah these darn kids
0: so it almost like i can see that moment making the movie almost a scooby-doo from the side of the villain and the villain is actually a murderer
1: (laughs) okay yeah, it kind of makes sense. It makes sense.
0: So that's it. Did you have any honorable, honorable mentions? I figured. You know
1: what? I have no honorable mentions. You, okay. The honorable mentions I had, you also covered as well, too.
0: I kind of blindsided you with it, but I figured if I'm going to give a couple of extra picks, maybe I should give you the opportunity too.
1: <laughs> no, we. I think we've covered this whole genre of, of like farm frights.
0: All right. And that's it. That's our show for this week, everybody. Is there anything you want to mention?
1: I have absolutely nothing going on on social media right now, so okay. there you
0: go. <laughs> All right, you can follow us on Twitter at Two Headed Pod. That's two T W O headed Pod. You know, you know how to spell those. Uh, I like to post some pictures and some fun stuff for shows coming up and shows that are currently available. So follow us on there, and uh, if you like this, once we are not on iTunes yet or Apple Podcasts at the moment. Um, hopefully by the time this episode goes up, we are. So if you could head over or give us a rating and maybe leave a review, unless you hated this, if you hated it, listen for a couple more episodes, I'm getting better. Maybe you, you'll like it then and give us a good review. That is our show for this week. We will see you next week with a brand new host body. Have fun, everybody.
1: Bye everybody.